friends, it's Morgan Snyder, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. This is for the few. My heart's passion is to reach the many, to find the few, to find those that want to consent to a path and process to become the kind of men in whom God is glad to entrust the care of his kingdom. I'm passionate about the hearts of men and unapologetically want to offer to men uh, with this hope that the greatest fruit that will come out of men being restored is that women are fought for and loved well and loved deeply, that children are able to turn their hearts back to their parents, that families are revived and restored. And from that epicenter, communities and kingdoms on the earth are healed and made strong and healthy and true. And so this podcast, as you know, is about going deep. And we have a treat for you today. Gary Unruh is a master counselor. Think with me for a moment about this reality. He's invested in over 5,000 families individually over five decades of clinical work, listening, understanding, and coming to the center of the hearts of children. This man, well into his 70s, is a sage and one of the ancient hearts that's alive, that's brimming with joy and energy and passion, with levity and depth of insight. Sherry and I, in full disclosure, have spent a lot of time with Gary doing personal work, being counseled by him, sitting in his office and bearing our souls to him. And there are very few people on this earth that have come to the center of our experience more than Gary Unruh. He's a master at relationship. And today's doorway comes primarily through the concept of the parent-child relationship. But as you will see very quickly into this episode, it has everything to do with marriage and it applies very deeply to any intimate relationship in which we want to grow, mature, to know and be known, understand and be understood. And so this podcast, one of a two-part series, is deep waters. There's a lot that we cover. We go from clinical to experiential to ultimately some live unintended counseling real time between Sherry and Gary and myself. And so in this podcast, what we're unpacking is Gary's book, The Golden Rule Parenting, which is simply the fruit of his decades of working with thousands upon thousands of clients. But it's my privilege to get to go in the studio today with my wife and with Gary. As you listen to this first episode, you may notice the audio quality is not ideal. And we ran into some technical difficulties that we didn't find out till after recording. And the content was just so valuable. We just sensed that it was worth pushing forward and making it available with less than ideal audio quality. And then session two, we were able to resolve the issue. So uh, thank you for being willing to extend grace to us. And I pray that you'll be able to navigate uh, less than ideal audio quality on this podcast for the hope of leaning into the real treasure, which is the content of the opportunity to sit with Gary. 
let's dive in and begin with some of Gary's thoughts on relationship and ultimately restoring attachment, which is the epicenter of God's intention in bringing to us heart by heart and home by home on earth as it is in heaven. Let's dive in. Thinking carefully and feeling carefully about this, it came to me that seeing and hearing feelings is what my whole discovery has been in the 76 years of my life, parenting four children and grandparenting nine grandchildren. And the problem with seeing and hearing feelings is that all we want for our children is proof of happiness. That's all we want. Unfortunately, we're built to see and hear what we can see on the surface and hear on the surface. And it ends up that 95% of who we are is unconscious and it's inside. So we want proof that they're gonna be happy, but where's the evidence? It's in the unseen. And that's what I've dedicated my life for I know I was preparing for it earlier in my life. I didn't know it. Yes. When I spent three years in Algeria at 19 years of age. Just a beautiful experience of seeing and hearing inside stuff. So back to this story of seeing and hearing, it's the inside. And I don't know how many of you have been had the privilege of seeing inside out, but it's a brilliant actually, film demonstrates what I'm talking about. Pictorial representation of now what we know are the deepest inside feelings and that those are the five feelings of fear. And I'm putting this in order of instinctual. Fear, anger, love, sadness, and disgust. So the message that I have today that I'm hoping these beautiful people can help me to manifest is that put on uh, bifocal glasses. All we have, we have the regular glasses that see with our eyes, but true seeing is understanding. And we often say to someone that we're trying to be connected with, I see. Pretty fascinating that that scene is not the regular image on the outside, but it's seeing down deep inside. So the message that I have in my mission is to help parents see the very depth of who their children are, validate that piece of who they are, the five emotions, and then deal with what you've seen all the time, and that is the behavior on top. I found it to be really exciting to work on this and discover that the unknown unseen can actually be known. And let me give you some examples. Yes. When I was 26 years of age, I was in a uh, game in Nebraska, uh, Cornhuskers, I believe, I kind of forgot what they're called. 75,000 in the stadium, middle of the uh, game. Gary Unruh, would you go to the phone? There's an emergency message. My dad had been in an accident and lived 
for three days I got to see him. I want you guys to know that right now, the feelings are there like they were that day. Cortisol, we have a stress hormone, fear. Remember I said fear is the first instinctual? I can feel that call in the stadium right now. Mm. Scientists now know that there's a place in the brain right above the eyes, frontal lobe, where that's stored in the body, in the brain, and it actually can be felt at any time. Mm. Now that's fear. Today, when I opened the office door to Sherry and to Morgan, a whole different body experience happened. These people love like nobody I've ever met. So oxytocin, a hormone that moms have as a gift and men have it too if they just listen to it and feel it. Dopamine and serotonin, I could feel it in my body lifting. I was happy, like I just said about parents want their kids to be happy. Yes. So it actually all starts with something outside. It goes to the body and the mind's primary purpose is survival. And so we instinctively have fear with anything from someone yelling at us to a gnat coming around us. Hmm. And the action inside fueled by anger is fight or flight. Now, I don't need to tell any of you how often you feel get even with someone or withdraw. Hmm. That's instinctive fight or flight. It's inner uterine. It starts with a little baby inside the mama. And when the baby cries, they've got fight or flight. But what none of us have immediately, like fear, is love. It actually is packaged and needs to be unpackaged. Good news. News break. <laughs> you see the scroll of the Yes, there you go. Now it's proven that at six months of age, babies looking at one disturbed child and looking at another disturbed child, they indicate that they have compassion and want to do something about it through baby type maneuvers. Wow. Compassion is located in the brain. There's a place for it. But the news that I have to tell you is it has to be unpackaged and practiced. And what does that mean? Well, that's what you're going to hear today. Great. Great. <laughs> that's what I'm going to answer questions that you think are relevant yes. to your listeners. I do have really good news. There's another scroll down. Yes, good great. News. We never hear good news on that. What? Breaking news. <laughs> it's, bad. No, it's good. Uh, the good is, is to know that this is all instinctive. Yes. Hmm. That's relieving. Yes. That's relieving. It's instinctive. I'm not crazy or something's wrong with me, but it's terribly dysfunctional unless a car's running in front of me. Yes. Fear only processes threat as physical. Yes. So when somebody yells at me, I've got the same fear of being killed and dead. That's unconscious. I know it sounds crazy mm. as if somebody is running in front of me. Mm -hmm. Wow. We, for this interview today, I was all set up and calm in my office and spent about a half an hour dealing with my fear. It's just natural. And I was in a great spot. Morgan comes in and says, what's that noise in the fan? 
and we decided we couldn't use my office where I was comfortable. Yes. You guessed it, fight or flight. Yes. So I ran out the door and ran a mile away from Morgan. No, I'm <laughs> That's the instinct yes. that we all feel. Or Morgan, I don't want to do this today. Yes. That would be, that's instinctual. Right. So the message we're going to deliver today is practical, observable, actionable, love as a verb. Mm. Actionable. Mm. I'm ready for questions. Yep. So, um, to our listeners out here, Gary worked with me when, um, in the wake of what Morgan and I have come to call the great agony in 2008. And um, he helped me so much, uh, really with a deep shift in my identity, Gary, from, I remember when we were really the moment this, this seeped into my body, but from this core identity, deeper than I was aware of, of stupid and foolish to human and lovable. And as you're talking, Gary, I'm aware that that difference of, for example, the identity of, uh, let's say, for a, ch for a child or an adult who's mostly familiar in their body with feelings of anger, frustration, maybe in their identity they've decided, I'm just an angry, frustrated, bad person. And what I hear you saying with the example of the six-month-old baby is that all of us are wired for compassion and for love. So it's not that I'm not a loving or compassionate person. It's only that it just hasn't been unpackaged in me. And that that's really good news as we think of our, the way we understand ourselves and then our children is even if we haven't seen it on the surface behaviorally, we can trust based on what I hear you saying that it's in there, in me, in my children, the capacity to love, to give love, receive love, to give compassion, to receive care. And um, no matter how hardened the shell is or the behavioral, what's coming out deep inside the identity is compassion, love, and um, it just needs to be unpackaged. And the challenges of the fear and the anger uh, come unpackaged already. So those are very evident for all of us and um, very, we can connect with those instantly, but that the love and the compassion is something that has to be unpackaged. Oh, beautiful. Um, and oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin is flooding through my heart <laughs> to have had the honor of you allowing me to enter into your heart. And we're both smiling each, at each other and we're both feeling it. This is the evidence. This is the unseen is actually more powerful than the seen. It feels good. It does. And we both feel lovable. Yeah. Therapists don't talk like this, but I am. <laughs> I feel lovable, that I have value, yeah. that the core of who I'm trying to be has been made a difference in the radiance of your face and your heart. That in my life at this point is far more vivid and real than in my home looking at Mount Hermon, mm. which is for me in my life is another image that I love, but it's real. Yeah. This is more real because it's embedded in my body. Mm. So mm. thank you for allowing me to be present. And I would like to add one thing on this. Mm -hmm. 
It, the other thing that I've discovered, by the way, all of this stuff is ongoing discovery. The bulk of it's still a mystery. Mm. But I've seen the veil. Mm. And I've been privileged to see the veil and fumble around and pull a little of it back. And that's what I'm sharing today. Mm. But what I know about what happened with you and I is that at the essence of who we are, we're all the same. And what I found out is that when you can feel the same in conflict, mm. you have infinite experience of love. Mm. It's that simple. Mm. Sameness. I hardly know any marriages that can put aside, when there's an argument, it really means a lot, that's fear. Mm. Yes. Where you can put aside who I am and feel the emotions of my spouse. Mm -hmm and say, you're right. Mm. And I'm trying to make a point here, because that's what it takes. Mm. We think always in observable, the behavior, mm -hmm. which hurt me deeply. So it's your fault. But when you can skip all of that, and I have proof of it in my, this experience with you, when you can, another person can feel sameness at the very depth of their hurt, love heals. Mm. So it ends up that conflict and differences are the crucible for transforming fear into complete love. Mm. So I welcome conflict. Wow. Such an amazing perspective. When I'm being paid a lot of money. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It all comes down to that. Okay, I just have. Hey, it's know. ten cents on the dollar. We have. I said to this, but Gary's sense of humor is is uh, absolutely perennial. And we have agreed through our personal experience that counseling investment financially is 10 cents on the dollar. Return <laughs> on investment. We are all in. But so, Gary, the, it, on your comment there, you, you know, you said in Golden Rule Parenting, this fascinating idea of the primary place a child develops belief about herself or himself is from the response of their parents. Yes. And I'm listening to you speak of conflict. And as I read, reread that in preparation for our time, I was moved by this idea of our child developing their beliefs about themselves from our response, but particularly in the area of conflict, right? That's often Specific. how we're responding. So can you say more? Yeah. Well, conflict is fear. Yeah. Period. It's terrifying for children. Every child I talk to eventually says, can you stop my mom and dad from yelling? 80% of the parents are not yelling at all. This, let's go deep down into the center of the earth of a child. When they're a baby, they are relying upon who they are by what they see and feel. As a little baby, they see the mouth and the eyebrows of the mom. When that eyebrow is frowned and the mouth is contorted, their body experiences more fear. Sponge, their most recent study on psychotherapy has proven, it's a meta study, 
has proven that the theory makes no difference. It's the quality of the attachment between the two people. Now, attachment is what I'm illuminating right now. If the attachment is soothing, and may I give an example? Please. How that starts? Okay. Please. So when parent, I think all moms are aware of this. Uh, I'm a man. I, I, I didn't really realize it. When I heard it, it made sense. But every mom that hears this knows that's what I do. I do want to say I see moms and motherhood as sacred. And that's developed in me as a man at the age of 76. It's developed a sacredness because I'm seeing the depth of it more. So at that moment, the baby is crying. The mom frowns. Nanosecond. You can't see it, but I'm frowning. Oh, that must be hard. And then immediate smile and gentleness of the eyebrows. But mommy will help take care of it. This is the essence of what I'm about in playing and discovering with people. It's not work. It's play and discovery. The child is ingesting your physical, ingesting, oh, my anger is real. The frown was there and the mouth was there and immediately transformed into it's okay. The child ingests all of that in their body and has the first lesson of mitigating fear through actionable love. You're saying because the child is expressing anger and fear and the message is, I'm okay, no, even no, when I'm... I'm scared too. Frown? Yes. And immediately smile. So that's the connection. Yeah. The first is a connection of coming to the center, even with an infant. Center, and they're not experiencing it thinking-wise, but that's the genesis of all of this yes. anyway, body. Yes. So I think this is the best illustration it's I beautiful. Have, that if you are the mom, yes. I'm the baby, and you're frowning, I'm experiencing, I'm upset. Yes. The minute you change it, oh, now I'm not upset. We had the first lesson through, and the ultimate attachment is to be at the very center of where the child is with their beginning emotions, because all thinking that is a distant Mars away is generated by body and embodied emotion. Embodied emotion means stimulus, fear, fight or fight, cortisol. There's no better example of embodied. So at that little baby infant stage, when moms do that, they are doing what I'm talking about doing with you. You just described that attachment of being connected at the very depth where you found who you were, Sherry. That the best, I'm not saying I'm the best, I'm working on doing what needs to be done. Yes. So it did happen. Yes. So I'm just so thankful. But that's what happened. It's never too late. Does that make any sense? It does, Gary. And I was observing in myself when you were describing um, the baby and I could feel in myself this, a lot of emotion. One is you were sort of touching that primal place in me, you know, and 
I want to invite our listeners to pay attention to your body as you are hearing Gary talk. Notice what is stirring for you. Um, and I, I find myself very, you know, just practicing that, Gary, as you're talking now. But also this message back to your like breaking news, good news. And um, I was reminded of it reading Golden Rule Parenting. You, your work gives me so much hope because you're talking about not only learning to parent our babies well, but let's say we end up a teenage with t- our teenagers and we haven't we haven't been practiced in in coming to the center of them and and validating them and helping them to connect with their lovability and we find ourselves with just you know a mess on our hands we're a mess we're afraid we've ruined our kid we're feeling a lot of fear ourselves because um, our parenting isn't going the way we were hoping it would and I find your your work to be so hopeful and, um, among other things, I would love if you could speak to um, just that good news of it, it's never too late, um, even if we are starting to observe in ourselves a little bit of deflation because we're afraid we've messed something up permanently. I was curious if you could speak to that a little bit. Sherry, I think that's a brilliant idea. And maybe even to be more specific, I'm guessing that every one of our listeners has some pocket of pain in relationship, either relationship to themselves or relationship to another person. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I told Gary today, it was amazing to walk into his office and be feeling great. I mean, I've never done that in a counseling office because we were coming for a podcast instead of another session where I needed help, which there have been many. But if every listener out there can kind of tune in to the center, Sherry, as you were speaking of some place of pain, of challenge, of problem. What I so appreciate about your writing and your counseling is it's very practical. There are these universal um, steps, or I should say a process to lay out that's the physical embodiment of the reality of which you're speaking. So could you help us kind of walk through that process? So it may be you have a teenager that's off the rails, right? It, role play? And, yeah, let's role sure. Play. Yeah. Why don't you two role play? That'd be great. That'd be great. By the way, if I could just say, I'll tell you when things I say are scientific yes. things that I've discovered. That's great. This is not scientific, but I know it to be true. And I tell people when I talk, I need to say what I know. Yeah. I don't expect anyone to take it if it fits great. Yeah, exactly. So what I know is that there is a mom and dad receptacle at the bottom of who we are. Mm. I just know it. Both my dad and mom are gone. I still value their opinion. Mm. So you say there's an inherent need inherent for mother receptacle. and father in the soul of every human being that does not go and away. I know for sure. Mm. It's just totally clear. And that motherhood and fatherhood, they overlap, but there's specialness on each side too. And we'll get to the role playing. I just want to answer that question. When you grab your bifocal glasses, it takes practice, old ones, and look down, always remember that the inside is craving to be understood. And I love to play with words. Just think of that. Go under where you're standing. Mm. Understood. Mm. The other part that I know, remember the mirroring? There's a dad piece that is separate from mom and a mom piece. That's a beautiful thing. I don't know all the specific conditions, but I know there's 
similarity and the same. And as a mom and a dad, see and hear proven by the child facial expressions or in time, if it's a teenager and you haven't done this for a while, it may take a couple weeks. Have courage. But weeks, that's hopeful. We're talking well, weeks of something changing. And it's true. And the other thing to say to you is never look to the surface for, for whether you know that you're touching the heart when the problems are pretty difficult. The child is angry. And remember, anger is actually a sacred feeling. Anger is telling you that something deep inside is hurting. And fight or flight with anger doesn't work. Now, I told you, stop lying to me. That's what we all do. The other one would be, take some practice, but everybody can do it. Here's the reason everybody can do it. Think about the person that you love. Think about the biggest difference. Think about that spouse coming to you and saying, you should be angry with me. Let's see a raise of hands who pulls that off regularly. Well, I have to get my bifocals on and see where the people are because I don't see any hands. It just doesn't happen. If it would, the majority of marriages that don't work would work. Because it would do what? Go to completely underground to my body emotion mm -hmm. that generates all the thoughts that are as far away as Mars. Mm. We not only don't go to the thoughts that we have that represent yes. our reservoir of data down here about how to handle fight or flight, we go to behavior. Well, you spent too much money the other day. Now that's at Pluto. Mm -hmm. behavior. The other one is at the center of your earth. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many of you know about that, but there's a huge warmth at the mm -hmm. center of the earth. Mm -hmm. That's us. We've got nothing but good mm -hmm. at the center of who we are. Mm -hmm. And let's remember another little play on words and then we'll get to the role playing. Think of good. That's actually binoculars taking God and putting another zero in it and turning the handles and looking through. That's actually the presence of God, mm. being able to focus on the good. Mm. And good is all that's at the center of us. And Gary, you've said in your writing and your teaching very consistently, you've suggested that at the core of the human person and looking at a child or the child in every one of us is this tug of war between these fundamental message of I'm good or I'm bad. And every interaction is forming our, our assessment of what we come to believe about ourselves. And here's the key. I don't mean to make it your fault as a parent. It's instinctive. Everybody does this. When we're focused on the behavior, that's not good. And again, behavior is a distant solar system away from where the genesis is and the core is. So the faster we can go to the common emotion that a child has, lying, for example, the common emotion is, it's research. I don't want to disappoint mom and dad. 
so go right to that right away. Why is it that you lie? I don't know. You well, I'll tell you, if you would stop lying, there wouldn't be any consequences. It never works. Which is all but, behavior. Yeah. If you say to that person, and by the way, I just saw Mr. Rogers' movie. Mm-hmm. Anybody wants to know something about understanding, mm. be present with Mr. Rogers mm. in that movie. Mm. I have to almost keep from crying because it's, and the reason that would be my feeling inside, yes. oxytocin and dopamine and endorphins and everything, Yes, is because I want to be treated that way. Right. Yeah. I listened to that and I had a relative beside me that was crying half the time, mm-hmm. an empath. So focusing on why is it that you lie? And the reason I said Mr. Rogers is stop talking and listen. This is where you put a stethoscope on and a uh, muffler on your mouth. Uh, you've gone as far in your writing to say a general rule of thumb is 75% listening yes. and 25% yes. talking as it relates to parenting. Yes. And because if you're listening to me, my heart is being touched. So back to that piece about bad, the more you can go to the common emotion, this child of yours is lying because they're scared. So you go right to it as soon as you can. I'll bet you're scared of how I look and what I say. It's in the books. I'll bet you're scared. If the child isn't used to this, they're gonna, no way. What I want you to know is have faith. Now this is if you've got your bifocals on. Have complete faith that this is healing your child. Hmm. And in time, They'll know what you're talking about. Just think about it. So I think, Gary, when you were sharing, it reminded me what I observed in myself is when you were saying that 80% of children come to you and say, can you just help me make my mom and dad stop yelling? When you said that, I I think what happened in me was maybe that common human experience of knowing about all of us can pause and enter into some place of empathy with that child who's asking you that, um, obser- observing our own connection with that sentence. And you know what most parents tell me? Every one of them are beautiful people or they would never come. Come. I bet they say, I don't yell. Totally. Right. Well, I'm even thinking of my own daughter, of the number of times that she said, Dad, why are you yelling at me? And and I often almost laugh in response. And so often I find myself saying, baby, you haven't seen yelling. Like you have no idea how like you're calling this yelling. You have a pretty good life, you know, but it's actually invalidating because what you're saying is when she says yelling, it's actually her way of describing, I feel fear and her fear is valid and I invalidate her fear. And it's not about yelling. And you can actually say, and most parents won't do this and I don't blame them, especially if, the layers of cement have gotten pretty deep. Right. I don't know if anyone knows about rebar, but I grew up in the farm. <laughs> okay, so you do. Uh, it crossed rebar. Yes. Rebar. It takes longer, but I will guarantee you, I ask parents, and hardly none of them say, and I don't blame them, we have another phrase to say, I hear you, I'm yelling at you. Now, I don't recommend 
that you go ahead and do that. But I'll tell you, if you want to cut 15 feet of rebar out, say that, mm. it doesn't matter whether you said it or not. Right. You're speaking to the heart of the child that is super tender. Yes. And you're one. Yes. You just did what I talked about a mom doing with the baby. Yes. I typically then go on to say, I know, I tell parents to say it and they'll do it. I know that's exactly what you experienced and that's wrong. Wrong with me to get. Most parents can say that. Yeah, you're, you're saying most parents can say, it's wrong for me to yell at you. And I, I, you're right that I'm yelling because your experience is that I'm yelling. That's, that's what I can get most parents to say yes. because they can feel yes. what would it be like if I said to my wife or husband, this is how I feel, and the spouse said no, mm -hmm. versus that's exactly what you experience. I'm really sad. Yes. Hardly no marriages do, the best of marriages do that. Right. So that's how hard it is. Gary, could we, could Morgan and I role play that? Friends, we're, we're inviting you into a, um, and you guys have heard us talk of our marriage vulnerably, so this isn't a first thing, but this is, um, you know, this is something on and off over our 19 years of marriage that we've worked on, and it's we're still working on it. And then I just want you to know, we could vice versa, and um, it would be a, a place where I need to validate Morgan's feelings. So I think we'll play it. Both sure. Well, any one way to do it, I have to role play. We'll just do the real thing of our interaction before the podcast today. Oh, perfect. I mean, that's pretty current, like an hour ago yeah. that we haven't well, unpacked. I don't need to do therapy. Exactly. We may have to pay you by the end of the podcast, no, Gary. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's what it's worth. So first, here we go. So um, Morgan and I had uh, established we would meet 10 minutes before engaging with Gary. I walk in and what I see in his body language is that he is um, taut, like his T-A-U-T, -T, like his muscles are taut, his jaw is set. He's talking to me very matter-of-factly about how he wants this um, podcast to go. And I say, you seem angry with me. And what did you say, buddy? I don't recall, he actually. Said, he said, I'm not angry. <laughs> and, um, and I kind of know because we've done this. I'm like, okay, he, he doesn't have, right now is not the moment to unpack that. But um, if we had had a little more margin and I had said, buddy, you seem angry at me. What? How could we have done that differently? Where you you could have validated that you really were. I think, like from my perspective, you weren't very conscious of your own how you were feeling in your body. Right. And so when you quickly said, "I'm not angry," it was like it seemed to me you weren't very in touch with how you were doing in that moment. Yeah, I think maybe what I'd say is I, I was kind of in missile lock mode of we have a mission to record a podcast. Mm -hmm. And so I need you to lock arms with me. Like in this moment, this isn't husband, wife processing, how's your heart? It's we are companion, you know, side by side companions to honor Gary mm -hmm. to record this podcast. We've never done this before. Mm -hmm. The time's going. Let's jump in there. Like let's let's do this thing. Like we have a block of time mm -hmm. and it's go time. Mm -hmm. And this is our mission. Mm -hmm. And I think as a spouse, you were inviting me to be with you, mm -hmm. to come to the center of how you were feeling, because it felt like I'd come early, I prepared, I'd prayed and centered myself and gone through notes and was ready. And you, know, you were late coming from some other event that you were doing. Mm 
And you were really excited to share about that. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was, there's another time to share about that. I'm really glad that was good for you. But this is our mission right now. And so I felt a disconnect with you. And so I think I stayed in this attitude of dismissing mm -hmm. how you were doing, mm -hmm. knowing that's valid, mm -hmm. but not for now. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't kind and it wasn't caring. Mm -hmm. And I think what you bring up is something that we've noticed in our parenting, which is these things take time to come to the center. Right. And that we, we've observed, I think you and I have actually, we just, Morgan and I just had a, like a staycation this last weekend and we took the staycation because we realized we were disconnected. And I think you and I have talked about this a lot, the challenge of ordering our days, arranging our days so that we have time, so that in those moments, you and I could have, you know, you could have said, actually, I, I, I validate what you're saying. It makes sense to me that you think I'm angry. Um, and and what you were feeling, it sounds like, was a little bit of anger that I had come uh, I was there at 10.50 instead of 10.45. So you probably were angry, but that we didn't have the time to unpack it. And you really, it's a lifestyle. Ask him if he was. And, um, and with- oh, Ask him if he was. Were you angry? I wasn't angry. Actually, that's not what I was feeling. Okay. Um, what I was feeling was, this is what this time is for. And we're kind of going at different paces in different directions. So you didn't feel angry at me at all toward, or you didn't feel anger that I had either talked to, started talking about my time at Mary's home? I, I would say frustrated. I, w I was frustrated. Yeah. It wasn't angry at all, but well, I was. I was frustration is, um, if I understand correctly, frustration is a form of anger. When you want me to intervene. <laughs> please. Okay. Please. Well, this is great. I mean, we'll use this as. Okay. Is this okay? Could I try, please. Can I try to say something to Morgan? Okay, buddy, I'm sorry. Of course you were frustrated with me. It makes so much sense. If I put myself in your shoes, that we had said, we'll be there, I'll be there at 1045. In an effort to be able to go into the time with Gary centered and connected. And I show up at 1050. And then I start talking about my time at Mary's home. It makes sense to me. If you were feeling frustrated, I, I understand. That makes a lot of sense. I just want to validate that that, I bet that was frustrating. First of all, uh, just so terribly moved with two people that love each other and are going from Pluto to Mars <laughs> to the surface of the Earth and a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. My observation is that you were seeking for her to understand why you behaved the way you did. I just need to know yes. if that's what you were seeking. When you said, she said you were angry at me and you gave her what was going on inside yes. that felt really, really solid to help her to understand what it was. Yes. I don't know if I'm accurate. Yes, that's totally accurate. You're wanting to be understood. Okay. That's a given. And it comes from fear. There's a measure of fight or flight, just normal. Mm -hmm. Please understand me because I'm feeling misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And the kindness and the warmth that you shared was just beautiful. And then you felt like you were feeling in his comments, you were first asking to be understood 
it felt like you felt you weren't understood by his comment. This is how complex this is. Mm-hmm. Patience. It's fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Can you both feel it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's no, you're right in this at all. None at the beginning point. Right. You very gently, like I see with the majority of women's capacity for so much more love, I feel, than generally men, no, ability, mm. men have that capacity. You are gently going back to trying to get him to understand you. Mm-hmm. Am I accurate? Yes. And you were hurting. I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. Right, exactly. But we are. Right. We're making the mountain on purpose. Right. Uh, but it's real. Like we're. I'm, but the, I'm but really this is what happens. Yeah. This hardly ever happens, <clears throat> especially in the heat of a moment. Yes. Where right afterwards you can process it. Yeah. This level mm-hmm. is really, really excellent. And so you were seeking for him to know you at the center of the earth. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. at, at your center. And I felt you were continuing to seek and you looked at me and said isn't it true that anger is a uh frustration is a manifestation of anger Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to answer that Mm -hmm. if you wanted i can Mm -hmm. for what i know Mm -hmm. but what's most important is you were kindly seeking his understanding Mm -hmm. and then i heard him hearing you more Mm -hmm and validating you more, Mm -hmm. but you were assertive. Mm -hmm. I mean that by positive, Mm -hmm. but sharing your center. Mm -hmm. I count. Mm -hmm. You were doing what you said you learned to do, Mm -hmm. and that is my identity has value. Mm -hmm. I'm going to listen to it, and I'm going to manifest it. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, you have a receiver Mm -hmm. for that. And now it's pretty clearly settled. Mm What I'm asking people to consider doing, does this make sense? Mm-hmm. What I'm asking people to consider doing with their children mm-hmm. is to bite their tongue mm-hmm. when a child says, this is who I am, you're yelling. Mm-hmm. I'm asking a parent to not give their reason mm-hmm. first. So if I were saying to Morgan, you, let's say- You were angry. You were angry. Instead of him trying to explain, he really wasn't. He was trying to get you to understand, which is legitimate. Yeah, totally. But you're saying with a child, different from a Skip that. Skip that. And Morgan would just validate that it make the the fact that his body language communicate anger to me, you know. Can I say it? Sure. What you're telling me, I'm feeling it. Mm -hmm. I remember I've had a lot of practice. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling it. And you're hurting inside by what happened for me do you think i'm hearing you that you're hurting by what i said i'm really sorry that uh that hurt Mm -hmm. i'll try to continue to do better with that right we skip with spouses this is one percent of the Mm -hmm. people do what he did and you did yes that's very rare but with kids, you can skip that. Now, I do have gauze strips for biting your tongue. <laughs> That's the first thing I give people so that the blood doesn't come out of their mouth. That's how hard it is. Yes. My hope is we can stay as universal as possible and like not get too in the weeds right, with our own. Because I go, 
it's universal because we we're very versed in it and very comfortable in it. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking of someone's like, oh, my my teenager's on drugs and this is a three year ordeal and he doesn't talk to me and we have no connection. But you're saying there's a tool that well, we can do some very May I do that? please please. Uh, the first tool is and it's in the books. Mm-hmm. No need to read them because what you're going to hear here is the essence of it. But the first tool is time spent. Mm. If you have a drug addicted child, count on them saying, I'm busy, I don't have time, I've got friends. Make sure that you have with all of your children a minimum of one and hopefully two 15 minute periods of time Mm. spending time doing what they like, including Mm. Minecraft. Mm. Gary, so you said some fascinating things in your writing that really informed me on this, where you say, spend time and not money, because we have a tendency to try to use money to solve things, and they need time. And the other is 75% of the time spent cultivate the practice of it being positive, right? Like the majority of the energy between you, wherever they are, is 75% of that time is positive. Nobody does that that comes into my office when kids are hurting. So you're saying if they were to do that before they come, they could solve a lot of the... reason, you probably know, uh, the beginning of attachment is experienced time with me i can't tell you how many children tell me when a dad particularly still tends to be pretty busy that's the way it happens more times than not i can't believe my dad spent a half a day with me Hmm. the other day and what i found that is intervenous not just well maybe it'll work maybe it won't two 15 minute periods of time where i'm doing what my child wants to do Hmm. And once a month, a half a day outside the home, not going to King Supers, mm-hmm. doing what your child likes. Mm-hmm. We're really replicating the baby mom dad attachment. No, oh, you're enforcing the attachments, yes. And this metric of 75% of the time, every parent that comes into me across the board, the they have 100 engagements yes. during the day, 75 plus are negative. Yes. You can't thrive in the heart with that kind of interaction that's detachment well it's exactly practical yes it's very practical because that's exactly what i would say was manifesting in our marriage last year you know we came to the end of the year saying like our goal is to really invest in our marriage and we spent a lot of our energy last year working on the things we need to improve on and our parenting and our budget and a lot of our time together, the majority was working on the things that are valid, but are painful, are challenging, um, are taxing. And what we were lacking was the joy together, which we've had in droves in past seasons. And we wanted to recover that joy. And so we just came back from a staycation with days together where it was all about joy. We made the mission joy and to feel the different dynamic 
shift and then to jump back into the throes of the world, the same world we left, that there's a lot to get done and manage. And so I'm aware, Gary, not only in parenting, but even in marriage, I was very convicted at being reminded again of the majority of our energy currently together has been a more... um, either negative or neutral atmosphere, right? Rather than just things building, but but a little bit of time spent where the majority is positive and we're back united. So that's, a, it's so hopeful how quickly it can be restored. Yes, and so hopeful, Gary. I think I hear you saying that if we can, let's just say I come in, right now, if it were me coming to your office, I have a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old. And right now, let's say that I observed that out of 100 actions, 100 interactions a day with them, 75 to 80% are negative. I came into your office and you said, Sherry, here's the invitation. Flip the ratio, spend two 15 minute blocks with Joshua and Abigail a week during the week, just doing something they love, playing ping pong, playing a board game, like not even trying to address any behavioral issues, not addressing anything, just saturate in that attachment bond. And then uh, once a once a month, uh, two half day block outside the house. That that you know, kind of back to that good news flash. We could repair our attachment through that, and then my center and their center starting to reconnect. And then over time, eventually, we could begin to address some of those behavioral challenges or the things that maybe habits that we've both formed that really need adjusted. But that comes after we reestablish our attunement to each other in a in a positive togetherness, have joy joy together, glad to be with you space. You couldn't say it better. Well I just repeated what you said. <laughs> Boy, so I'm, I'm really feeling oxytocin. I'm feeling a lot of dopamine and serotonin. Could you come over when I need you? <laughs> Gary, another idea that you teach on right in this space that helps me a lot is in the book you said in Golden Rule Parenting that we must start where the child is, not where we are. And I'm aware over time we build up pain and anger that often is an expression of pain because of a situation with either a spouse or a child. But it's, it, it's so helpful to know the best way to address what's happening in us over time and to bring resolution is to start at the center of where they are. But so many parents in, as I observe, really good homes are losing true connection with their kids as they're growing up. And these are good homes, good beliefs. Yeah. And, and yet that cement you talked about is building because there's this constant disconnect with where the child is. And the parents seem to have another agenda that feels like it's good for the child. But in fact, it's really focused around their own issues or their own pain rather than coming to the center and the child is learning to remove themselves. It's instinctual. Mm. It's normal. If you're experiencing this, this is normalcy. Mm -hmm. You literally have to upgrade the software Mm. and the operating system. I call it unattended mind, UM operating system, OS. That's what this stuff is, instinctual. Then I call the other one the center operating system. It's like a computer. It's just instinctual to get busy. And the busyness is 
essentially what I believe is who I am. And that is always focused on doing, always. That's instinctual, and there's a probability of splitting from relationships mm -hmm. with instinctual doing. Being is the energy infinite from the center that is good. And the default mechanism is what we call in our business projection, and I'll try to be real brief with this. When somebody's different than me, my instinctual resource is who I am. And we actually start talking about who I am and imposing that on the other person saying, you shouldn't feel this way. Am I making any sense? Mm -hmm. You want to even get have more fun. We're a projector and we've got a film running through it, old fashioned. And the screen we think is actually the other person, but it's actually us, yeah. if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. This is instinctual. You have to fight this tendency every minute of every day. You may not care about it when you're at your business, but with the child, you can learn to stop it. Mm. And when you do, the child knows it. Now you're understood. Mm. You're down deep, another little tip. Never tell children I understand or that's your perspective. You have to prove it. Every child that ever talks to me when the parents say that, and they mean it, and they really don't understand or they wouldn't be there. Mm. That's instinctual. So what you need to do instead, another technique, is never use understand or perspective, because children tell me, especially teenagers, that's a put down. Mm -hmm. Perspective, they're smart. Matter of fact, I've learned all of this from children sitting in the chair. Amazing. Five years of age up. That's all I've learned from them. That's what I've learned, where I've learned all of this. Hmm. They've got the truth. So what you say instead is your story of understanding. Hmm. You give an experience of how you understand. Hmm. Now you've connected with the child's heart. Hmm. Does that make any sense? Can you give it an illustration? I have severe ADHD. You do personally. Yes. And uh, my wife is deceased, but she would, I can feel her presence here. She would uh, uh, say earlier in our marriage uh, stuff about how hard it was to live with an impulsive person. Hmm. She eventually really worked on going past, this is aggravating, which she never said, but you could feel it, to taking the time to know that it wasn't a choice in me and actually telling me, I can see that this is impossible for you sometime to stop talking. That must really be hard. Hmm. So she's coming to the center of your experience yeah. rather than, hey, I'm just aggravated. But people and, are with ADHD right, people that right, are aggravated. Right. And, and what is the effect on you when she makes that shift from uh, you feeling the irritability to her saying, it must be hard? Completely known. Mm. When we are known in our worst states, there's nothing that can't be done inside mm. us to, of our love, mm. flow of our love for mm. who we are. Gary, you've used that phrase with me in counseling that's been so formative of the miracle of validation. It's been so centering to understand that 
at the core of relationship, it is a miracle when a person can come and meet another person and both can be known and understood, accepted, and loved. And it's such a um, it's so helpful to orient to that because every situation is complex and every situation is unique, you know, and, the, and there isn't a formula that can solve every one of these uh, unique circumstances. And yet when we know the goal is each of us long to be known and understand and the path for us ourselves to be known and understood is first to come to the center and know and understand another person. And, and, and let's make sure and articulate knowing my body sensation, we haven't talked about that much, and my essential emotion. Remember, all of us have the five emotions. So it's, you know, by the look on your face and your words, I know you know my emotion because being ADHD, I've got thousands of hours of your bad. Mm. First grade, it's funny now, and I can kind of laugh, but I hurt when I say it. Teacher left the room, and the girl that I really liked, believe it or not, I liked a girl, Marshall was her name, <laughs> and she said, come over here. So the teacher was out of the room. I crawled over. She said, I didn't want anything, and then I crawled back. Now, I'm remembering this like it was now. The teacher came in, and she told on me. The teacher got a yardstick and spanked me as I crawled back, every crawl that I have back and forth. I'm not trying to say I'm some person that's been damaged. Everybody has stuff like this, believe me. So if I would have had parents, bless their souls, they just didn't know that I could go home and they, and they would say, what happened, you look sad, because I didn't want to show my emotion. I would have had a different trajectory if I would have had more of that. Yes. I'm okay with that because I'm, I get to look at what I did wrong with my children. Hmm. And I'm a therapist. Yes. Does that make any sense? It does. I would have had a different trajectory if I could have talked more about it. Yes. You're sitting with a parent and this is your one opportunity and it's one session, right? They're not going to follow up with you personally. Obviously there's gold in golden rule parenting and unleashing the power of parental love. But in this moment, how would you counsel the parents and the people out there saying, I want this, I, I, something in me is responding and I want to step into this. Um, wh where would you send me? What would I do next? What do you want me to walk away with? Easy. I'm going to look at both of you like your parents now. This is in the session that I first see them. I would look at the mother and I would say, thank you for loving your child enough that you came here. This is extremely complex, and I'm going to find a lot of things that you did right. Mm -hmm. But the bulk of parenting is unknown, mm -hmm. and that you had the courage to come here and take time out of your day and spend the money for this child is all I need. Mm -hmm. And Dad, I noticed several things that you just said about your son, and I noticed the tears that dropped out of your mm -hmm. eyes. Do you know how incredible it is? that you are able to feel that depth of love for that child. And I know that there's things to improve, but this is all is needed. And we're gonna discover the unknown, which we'll get to know fast. So thank you for being the parent you are. Hmm. That's the message. Yes, it's beautiful. It's the essence. 
and now we're a team. <sighs> and we get to listen to the child because we can disintegrate depending upon the problem. A lot of the uh, cement and rebar in the process. Yes. And the most touching thing that I ever have happened is when that cement and rebar are discarded hmm. and a mom and a dad and a 14 year old son start crying hmm. and I step out of the office hmm. and let them have the joy of being at the hmm. center of everybody. And from that moment on, hmm. you don't have to teach anything. It all is clear. It's touching to me when that happens. And I'm sitting out in the waiting room knowing that who they were intended to be and who humans were intended to be is manifesting in that other room. And I'm telling you, that's worth everything in my life. It's worth everything in my life. Friends, those are powerful words. And as I mentioned in the introduction for this podcast, we intended to dive deep. We are entering deep waters in relationship when we consider these, these complex and wonderful realities of knowing and being known and understanding and being understood as we explore how this takes shape in parenting young children and old, in marriage, in all the relationships entrusted to our care. This is part one of exploring some big ideas on relationship and ultimately attachment with our beloved mentor, Gary Unruh. Before we come to a close today, I felt it important to simply pause and to pray. Jesus, Father, and Holy Spirit, Deep calls unto deep. And no doubt, just like me, you are raising things, deep mysteries in our hearts. We are relational beings, and we are relational in the core of our design. And you, God, are relational in the core of who you are. That all of creation was breathed and called forth out of relationship, and that heaven in the consummation of our earthly apprenticeship will result in a quality of relating beyond anything we could ask for or imagine. And so, Jesus, I come to you in this moment aware of what you're raising relationally through this topic in our time with Gary. God, I consecrate all my relationships afresh to you. And God, I choose to be very gracious and kind towards the unfinished places in me as they express themselves relationally. I just confess how much I need you. I need your supernatural provision, your supernatural care as I navigate unchartered waters. I'm, I'm aware of things raising up in me today in marriage. I am distinctly aware of things raising up in me in parenting. I'm aware of things raising up in me in relationships that have been entrusted to my care that I am perplexed about. 
But Father, you know us and you provide generously. You are a shepherd and you are a best friend. A best friend is one that that is committed to knowing and coming to the center of our experience. And Holy Spirit, you're a teacher. You're a guide. You're faithful and generous. And you portion out that which is on time and that which we are ready for through your power. And so, God, I'm asking that you would just shine your light. What of this podcast is for now? What is your word to me? How would you instruct me? I pause to just take stock of what's rising up in my heart for this hour. I'm struck by the verse in Psalm 68, uh, 5 and 6 in the Passion Translation where God says to the fatherless, he is a father, to the widow and that person that finds themselves lonely and lacking, he is a champion friend. To the lonely, he makes them part of a family. To the prisoner, he leads us into prosperity until we sing for joy. God, you are in your holy place. God, I trust you're a father to the fatherless places within me. I trust that you are a champion friend to the lonely that I find within my soul God, I pray that you would come and breathe your encouragement to every heart, your strengthening to every parent, your confidence to every spouse, and your assurance to every friend that you are faithful. You will never compromise your personal mandate to demonstrate your faithfulness to your sons and daughters. So God, I pray that this podcast would find purchase in our hearts. I pray that it would find a place to stick and that there would be fruit, that the seeds would find good soil and that you would bring forth a harvest, the portion that is intended for now, perhaps to revisit this podcast and glean more in the future. We trust you, God, in all manner, in every way. You are a faithful friend, a good shepherd a best friend, and in you there is no lack. There is abundance. We choose to believe, help our unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, this episode has been unpacking some real treasures. In Gary Unruh's book, Golden Rule Parenting, Treat Your Child the Way You Would Like to Be Treated. It's a simple concept with very deep and wide implications. There's so much fruit in this book. And if there are treasures in this podcast that you want to excavate and dig deeper, then I encourage you to pick up a copy of Golden Rule Parenting. You can find the link 
to access that book directly on the blog post for this podcast episode. This is part one of a two-part series where we visited with Gary, so I look forward to being back together with Sherry and Gary and you on the next episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. Thanks, friends. Let's keep going.